0: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here.
0: Thank you, everyone. Welcome to the Super Baby Bros at TEDx. We're so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us. You might be thinking straight away, what are these guys doing here at TED? And let me just... I just want to say this, because you might not know this. T-E-D stands for Technology Entertainment Entertainment and design. And let me tell you, the Super Bailey Bros show covers all three of these things. Now hold your horses there, because I need to introduce you to my partner in crime, <laughs> my fellow producer, <laughs> presenter, Phil Bailey. Phil, come on stage now. Hello. Oh, he's he never off camera, guys, never off camera. Phil, that's so offended, man, thanks. Now, you might be thinking, why is this guy putting on a rubbish American accent to, to deliver his TED Talk? Well, A, that's what everyone does at TED, right? There's a format, there's a structure. And uh, we're going to introduce the Super Betty Bro Show, episode 32 of season 2, in this format. And now, just one moment. I want you to listen. Listen carefully. Can you hear that? What is it, Laurie? Can you hear that? That is the sound of ingenuity. That is the sound of your future. You just need to reach out and grasp it. Okay? Now I want you to hang on to that sound during this intro. And I want you to picture how much bigger the world could be if only everyone could grasp that ingenuity. Can you do that for me? Okay, I I can see you at the back. You're doing it. Way to go. Okay, right, let's get on the show.
1: Hey, so Phil, what films are you going to cover this week? I'm going to do Spider-Man Homecoming. It's now re released. This is Marvel's kind of relaunch, reboot, uh, what's the name, incorporation of Spider-Man, getting it back from Sony, and they're going to mush it together with... The Avengers franchise And hopefully it works out
0: Wow
1: Wow That's that's breathtaking What have you seen Laurie? I've been to see Despicable Me 3
0: Have you been to see anything else my man?
1: Uh, I have seen The Circle Which is a sort of theatrical release Sort of not It's a a new one from Elle Watson Starring Tom Hanks as well And it is sort of a Sci-fi thriller type thing but it's been released on Netflix. The world has come along, hasn't it? Okay, anything else we're doing this week, Phil? Uh, Yeah, usual stuff. We're going to do some emails and tweets. You can reach the show at at gmail.com or you can tweet us at supervailybros. And also, we have got a couple of must-seen thingies. And we're going to do what we've been watching, of course, as usual. So stick around for that. Is that everything, Laurie?
0: Well, there's a question. Is it everything, or is it the beginning?
1: Uh, I think it is the beginning of the show, yeah.
0: So should we begin the show? Let's begin the show. And and just as we do, I want you to... Just listen to this. This happened to me the other day. And this really happened, okay? I didn't just make it up for the purpose of this talk, all right? I really, this really happened. I was walking past a, a cinema the other day, and I saw a little boy there with his mom. And he was playing with an Iron Man toy, right? Can you believe it? An Iron Man toy. And he was zooming around. He was zooming. And his mom was watching him, and she's saying, Hey, son, Jimmy, what are you playing with that Iron Man toy for? Jimmy turned to her, and he said, Mom, I'm pretending to be Tony Stark. She said, why? Why would you want to be Tony Stark? What's your favorite thing about Tony? Is it the laser beams he shoots out of his hands to dispense justice? Is it the rocket boosters on his feet? Is it the indestructible armor, which encases his very soul? He said, no, Mom, no. It's his heart. Okay? So you all just think about that <laughs> and how that'll rock your world.
1: Yeah? Is that the end, Is that the end point?
0: Let's give it up, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Woo! Come on. Let's see some hands in the air. Let's see some hands in the air. Hey, it's a good energy. Good energy. Okay. Did you enjoy that, Phil? Uh,
1: you sounded like Declan Donnelly doing an American accent. Who's you... Declan Donnelly? Deck. And Deck. You know, oh. when he does his little behind the scenes thing, he's American start, start accent. Start this accent again. Is so, it's so much like when he does an American accent. That's all like, I think. Right,
0: right. It's just a hand in the air here. I don't think that worked at all. Let's <laughs> what our listeners think just fyi listeners we have to have a fan on in studio because it is baking hot and i can't think straight as my intro i think proved phil so
1: (laughs) you're a little bit insane yeah yeah
0: a little bit so if you can hear a fan i do apologize but it's an absolute necessity now phil go uh so do
1: you know what homecoming is what do you mean As as a word as an event
0: isn't that when you come home to your school reunion or something or you've been away on a tour of afghanistan and returned home or something like that
1: yeah, I don't really know. Okay, <laughs> I, genuinely, right. I genuinely didn't know right. what Spider-Man Homecoming, what the Homecoming bit really means. I keep on, you hear it all the time. It's like a big part of like high school. Is or it American though? It's like a, a big dance thing that you invite people to and there's Homecoming King, Queen, yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like a prom, but like not the prom, but it's Homecoming. And I, th- I think it's something to do with people who've left the school and then come back and... Yeah. Yeah, anyway... This is Spider-Man Homecoming. That's where I should treat it. It's fine. It's really good. It's good stuff. And as I said in the beginning of uh, this episode, this is the first time Marvel have managed to really produce a a Marvel version of Spider-Man. This is their version of the the Spider-Man character. Sony still own the rights to it. So those are the guys who did the Sam Raimi films and also did the Andrew Garfield films. And they said, we're not doing a very good job. We're not getting the return on our property that we really think we should get. So here's the deal. You can make it, we'll get the money, we trust you guys to do more with this character than we can. They were going to try and do their own little spin-off, expanded Spider-Man universe, and now they're like, nope, you take it on, mix it in with the Avengers, mix it in with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and maybe you can make more out of this character than we can.
0: Are they co-financing it still?
1: Yeah, so Sony are the big producers. they definitely got product placement in the film. Okay. 100%. Uh, Also, Aldi, just interestingly, apparently is the official car of Spider-Man.
0: Oh, Aldi. I thought you said Aldi, as in the discount supermarket. (laughs) I think they're secretly on the rise in an evil way. (laughs) Oh, gosh, sorry. Not really. Okay, carry on.
1: So this film begins literally right where Captain America 3 Civil War kind of left Peter Parker. Yes. You know, he got... Dragged in to help out in that situation and dealing with that. Tony Stark said, I got a kid. He's going to be great. And he gives him a special Spider-Man suit. And we see literally the events that lead up to that. We get the very beginning of the film is Peter Parker doing a film about his Avengers experience. So you see him with his little uh, sidekick to Tony Stark played by Jon Favreau happy i think is his name he kind of takes him under his wing and says right here's the suit we're gonna to go to this place you need to be ready blah 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 and you literally see spider-man talking to the cameras like phone camera saying oh my gosh that's captain america he's right over there Wait, oh this yeah is, this that's is my been bit. in cinemas a lot this is my it? bit yeah. i'm gonna do it okay and that's how the movie starts but then once that's done spider-man he's had this amazing little event peter parker he's so excited he's only a kid in this version of the spider-man character and now he's sort of waiting for when he can actually be a proper superhero. Tony Stark says, here's the suit. Enjoy the suit that I've got, got ready for you. But we'll give you a call if we need you. For now, just lay low. Be a, be nice, a normal teenager, right? Be a nice, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is cool. the line. Oh, does he, that he say that? Him. Yeah, indeed. Lovely. And so Peter Parker is this guy who's had this amazing experience, but he's still very much stuck in high school. Uh, bit of a nerd. Not many friends. And sort of struggling with his dual life already. Now, I should, think I should point out, they don't really deal with the origin. They just kind of assume that you know all about Uncle Ben, how he got the powers, etc, etc. That's quite It's bold not move. really about that. Right. Instead, this is more about how Spider-Man fits into the Avengers world. Of course it's it is. It's the origin of Spider-Man as an actual Avengers sort of superhero type. Mm. that's what the film is about so it's not an origin story but it also is an origin story makes sense yes okay so we've got a clip which kind of gives you a sense of the tone how he's very much a kid this is spider-man having put on the suit and gone a bit of a run around he just finds out he needs to get back home to see aunt may he sneaks in through his bedroom room climbs through the window closes the door jumps down and lo and behold maybe somebody was actually in his room maybe his best friend ned was just sitting there waiting here we go here's the clip
2: What was it, Ned, what are you doing in my room? You may let me in. You said we're going to finish a Death Star. She doesn't know. Nobody knows. Well, I mean, Mr. Stark knows because he made my suit, but that's it. Was Tony Stark made you that? Are you an Avenger? Yeah, basically. <gasps> Dude, you can't tell anybody about this. got to keep it a secret. A no secret? Why? Because you know what she's like. If she finds out people try and kill me every single night, she's not going to let me do this anymore. Okay,
0: okay, 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 okay. I'll level with you.
2: I don't think I can give this a secret. This is the greatest thing that's ever
0: happened to me. I can't believe this is happening right now. Can I try the suit on? Badass. Well, that sounds like a, a classic Spider-Man good time right there, Phil.
1: Sort of, yeah. And I, I, I feel very fondly towards Spider-Man as a character. He is the superhero of choice for me. If I was going to be any superhero, I'd be Spider-Man. Really? Why is that? Just Maybe lost, we need love Spider-Man. <laughs> I feel he's my homie, you know, Peter Parker, right. a bit of a nerd. But you realise if you were him, you wouldn't actually be like, you'd be you. Yeah, you know. I, I feel barely the amazing <laughs> spider No. Um, but I feel a lot of affinity for Spider-Man. He was uh, the superhero that I really loved. I remember being so excited for when that Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire film came out. Still brilliant, yeah. One of the most memorable trips to cinema I think I've ever had. My first 12 I ever saw. Nice. And so I feel very strongly about this character and I was kind of a bit nervous based on the trailer how this film would pan out. And in some ways I'm quite relieved to say it's a lot better than I thought it was. Okay. In another way, it's got some really, really cringy deeply sad moments of marvel's fingers in the character don't
0: say that don't
1: don't trigger me in that way i know you you would be blowing your brains man in some ways i'm a bit sad that you haven't seen this film in other ways i'm kind of relieved because you would not be able to contain yourself the fury serious a couple of scenes i think you would just be save that right till the end because no one wants to hear me get angry at this early in the show okay The standout things for this film are, in fact, Spider-Man. Spider-Man is played by Tom Holland, and he is great. He's really, really good. He's a young guy. I think he's the youngest actor to play him. I think he was only 16 or 17 when he got cast. and Now he's about 20, and he's playing a 15-year-old boy, and he's actually very convincing. He kind of leads the film. He's very charming. He's sort of shy and dweeby, but you kind of believe that he would be putting on a bit of an act when he is in the costume and trying to be impressive. You've got him doing all of his little quips behind the scenes when he's got his mask on, making jokes about the criminals he's fighting, etc, etc. He's really good in the film. That's
0: cool. I'm really glad to hear that. And he's a British actor, isn't he? You know, emerging talent. I'm pretty sure he's a clone of Jamie Bell, which is why his acting talents are you know fully formed at an early
1: age. He was in the Billy uh, Elliot musical. Was he as well? Yeah. You're kidding me. <laughs> he, he looks
0: identical, sounds identical, except for the American accent.
1: Yeah. So he's, he's good stuff, though. He deserves it. He deserves good. the role. He's, he's worthy yeah, of the yeah. role. Also, credit to the other kids in the film. There's quite a lot of kids in this movie. It's very much set in the high school. One particular character, which hasn't ever been in the Spider-Man films, is his character Ned, his best friend. He's kind of this portly um, Asian American chap who is so funny in the is film. he good? He's really he good. He was in that clip just now. Yeah, right? he was yeah. in the clip. He was the guy holding the Death Star and it smashed with. Yeah, so he's really good. And their friendship and chemistry is really good. It kind of glues the film together. And in fact. That is kind of one of the bizarre things about this film. In some ways, I don't think it really is about Spider-Man at all. It's about Peter Parker as as a, as a hero. But okay. the Spider-Man element of, of it isn't really necessarily the strong part. It's more of a high school movie. It's more about comedy than action, I would say. Is that closer to the comics? Uh, kind of, maybe. I mean, the comics all were about... The fact that he was a kid who couldn't juggle his dual lives, and even though he was very talented academically, he could never seem to make both elements of his life work. The struggle of being a superhero, having great power and great responsibility, Mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. costing him, etc, etc. Interestingly, that line is not mentioned in the movie, just FYI.
0: That's got to all be a conscious decision. I mean, because a lot of people have said this is the sixth Spider-Man film in 15 years, maybe?
1: Yeah, I think there is a very much an attempt to avoid the fatigue that I think yeah. people felt with the Ant-Man one. Which is how I feel.
0: You know, one of the reasons I didn't go and watch it.
1: Uh, so the other element that's kind of new to this iteration of Spider-Man is the fact that Tony Stark is very much a character in his world. What a shame contain it Laurie so Robert Downey Jr. makes multiple appearances throughout the film he's the guy who sort of is instigating Peter Parker's world as a superhero he gives him this superhero suit which is very much like Iron Man so it has lots of gadgets and extra bits but they're withheld from Peter Parker until he's ready to be a superhero Mm. but lo and behold his hacker friend manages to unlock all of those abilities and things so the little spider symbol in his chest is in fact a little drone that can track people and this is where I slightly get a bit uneasy because what that doesn't seem like Spider-Man to me. That seems like Iron Boy or whatever. Mm. It doesn't seem like they're really trying to keep the character pure and simple. I'll be there for you. No. Um, <laughs> Do you reckon they're thinking toys and video games or what? I don't know. I think maybe they're just trying to fit it all together with the other elements of their big, massive Marvel universe. Because with all this
0: high-tech equipment, why and it, the suit being provided by Tony Stark, why
1: would he not include that, you mean? Exactly, yeah. Like, if Tony Stark okay. is backing him, of course he's going to give him all these gadgets and things like that. And the film has to kind of work around that, but just try and use it in creative ways, make some humour out of it, some interesting scenes. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it doesn't fit well with Spider-Man's character. He's not about that. He's the small-time hero who does big things. But having said that, in this film, one of my biggest criticisms of it is the fact that Spider-Man does seem like a small-time hero. He seems very much a B-lister. And for me, that just doesn't make sense because Spider-Man is the crown jewel of Marvel's great hero empire. Mm. And they're treating him like he's nothing, like it's an inconsequential side movie, like he's an Ant-Man character.
0: Well, explain that. What, how is that present in the
1: film? It's present in the film because you constantly have references to the fact that the, the Avengers are around, uh-huh. and the Avengers are the big leagues, and he's not the well, big leagues. Well, they've
0: got Thor in them, who's like a god, isn't he? Yeah, so- exactly.
1: So they're constantly dealing with the fact that in their own universe, he is just the guy running around. He's a kid running around doing crime fighting, and... So he's dealing with smaller-scale criminals. Now, the, the villain in this film is Michael Keaton playing the vulture, okay. who has this sort of superpower. AKA okay, tech- Birdman, right. Yeah, Birdman, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's the, the main antagonist, but he's not really a villain in the usual sense. He's more of a scavenger. He has a bit of a backstory to why he's doing things, but it's a bit inconsequential, the things that Peter Parker is dealing with. He's not really dealing with end-of-the-world stuff. He's not dealing with the Chitari alien race. He's not but, dealing with an we Age of Ultron.
0: Because isn't that what we wanted to see? It's what I want to see. I've had enough of end-of-the-world threats.
1: But then also, that I, I kind of see what you mean, but it doesn't serve the character very well because Spider-Man is i would say the most beloved superhero of the marvel set mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be giving me any credit now maybe that's so that there's room for him to grow in future films yeah and maybe that's a good wise decision for the future <laughs> yeah. but right now i don't think it's great
0: i mean i've got to jump in there phil because you unwittingly freudianly uh, let yourself in there because you said i don't think they're giving me any credit that's what you just said no i didn't yes you did yes you did <laughs> there it is <laughs> what, what you mean is this is your favorite guy and you wanted him to be the best
1: Oh, it's oh gosh! Too this real is so for you. yeah. This is deep. <laughs> Cut that bit out. But anyway, no, no. what I mean is, they're not giving Peter Parker credit mm. and letting him be the the big so superhero funny. that I he should that. be in. Shush. He Let's should move be on. man. Yeah, no, you are know, so right. He's the best. He should be. He should be the temple figure. But I don't think that's necessarily just my personal opinion. I think based on his audience as a character, He's definitely, I think he is the most beloved. You're it's right. Batman, Superman, Spider Man. Yeah, those sure, are the three sure, big sure. biggest superheroes there are. So yeah, I think ultimately the biggest problem is the fact that Spider Man's character is a bit off and a bit inconsequential in his own world. But you have a great time on the way. It's so funny. I laughed out loud a lot. Like, okay. c- I couldn't believe. It was a bit awkward how much I was laughing. Because really? I was laughing for a long time at some, like, throwaway gag that people probably were getting a bit annoyed by me. <laughs> Having said that, it's kind of this is the mixed reaction I've had to it. Having said that, they go for jokes a lot of the time. There's so many jokes in the film and some of them really shouldn't be there. They're not worthy of being in the film. They should have been uh, filtered out over a couple of drafts of the film have or you just got one edited out. To send our way. There's one joke which I don't want to spoil and I don't really want to talk about it because I think it's an inappropriate joke in a Spider-Man film. Okay. It's a scene involving Ned. He's in a computer lab and somebody discovers him and he makes a a cover-up story. And it was the content I didn't think was appropriate for the audience of Spider-Man. I just thought it was such an obvious joke, but it was needless. So if you do go see it, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm sure loads of people have gone to see this one. It's a big Marvel property, big superhero movie. Uh, Let me know if you agree with me about some of the jokes. Some of them a bit mishit and not really needed. They should have just stuck with a kind of purer, simpler story and not always gone for humour.
0: Is the story satisfying at least, even if it's small scale?
1: Sort of. um, It just feels a bit inconsequential. You don't really, you know, that he's going to be fine because it's Spider Man, it's the first one. He's not, there's no real peril to the film, in all honesty. You never feel like the villain is really that fussed about Spider Man. He doesn't have like a vendetta against Spider Man. Uh, He just happens to be bothered by Spider Man. Right. And similarly, Peter Parker is never really in trouble. In fact, in the trailers, if you have seen the trailers, I seriously suggest you don't see the trailers, FYI, if you're interested in this film, because it spoils major, major scenes in the movie. But in the scene, you constantly have... Iron Man being a kind of safety net for Peter Parker oh, in Iron various Man. ways, either through the suit or whatever.
0: Can I, can I tell you, my, this is kind of how I felt. This know, is the vitriol once. that's coming no, no, up no, at no, the just end. A, just one, one specific thing. I was working in a coffee shop and a couple of tables down from me, you know how you don't try and overhear other people's conversations, but occasionally you can't help it because mm. of something they say. And I realised what I was overhearing, there was an older woman talking to a younger woman and the older woman was clearly trying to get the younger woman to agree to a modelling conversation. Contract. Have I told you this story before? No. Yeah, she, and she was quite young. I think she's probably, you know, an underage model, so doing youth clothes or whatever yep. it is. And so, the way that this agent was talking to her, she was trying to get this person to agree to an exclusive contract. And she used that phrase a few times. She said, It's probably going to be good for you, you know, you sign today because obviously we don't want to get into a bidding war or anything like that. And she was doing business. And here was a girl who was too young to be doing business. Worse than that, in my opinion, worse than that anyway. It's not just business, it's business about her image. And her identity, this young girl being cornered by this sleazy business agent. That's how I feel about Iron Man in the Spider-Man film. It's like, here he is. I'm Tony Stark and I'm going to enclose you in my big robotic arms and I'm going to warp you and wrap you into this big Avengers franchise here. Hell no, yeah, take that sexy drone toy thing. Just sign over your life.
1: There is a little bit of that (laughs) in the film. But it kind of, in the classic sort of sleazy business and way, Peter Parker wants to do that. He wants to please That's Tony exactly, Stark. Exactly. It's sort of a weird mental role. I so don't I think he...
0: there'll be one in a couple of, you know, in the franchise goes on where he'll just beat Iron Man into the ground and his electric heart will shatter and he'll die.
1: <laughs> what a horrible image. It's, like a little, it's just a
0: little joke an over the top joke. It's what you requested. No, I Condensed. didn't.
1: I didn't. didn't request <laughs> any of that. Listeners, I'm going to wrap it up there. I think I've covered most of the big points. I think it's not um, awful. It's not as good as it could be. It seems a, bit like just sort of a, a soft reboot to Spider-Man that's what it feels like which is a bit of a shame because you really just want really top quality Spider-Man I certainly do I want the Sam Raimi stuff that Yeah, is so good that ship has sailed I've missed that it's like uh, it's uh, where's it gone where's Toby when you need him great for me it's a B I think the highs are a worthy when it's really working well is great but there's so many points which just made me cringe and just not be a bit like this isn't right okay bonuses no bonuses it does show what Peter Parker has to deal with when he's not amongst skyscrapers so it does that oh that's quite so fun. he's stuck in the suburbs like suburbia, how, right? yeah so he has to run like he's like oh, I see an incident and he runs and everything the other bonus is it nearly I didn't mention this earlier it nearly right at the very beginning has potentially a scene which I thought would have really set quite a, an, a surprising precedent for Peter Parker's new world and then they back. Backtrack on it. Do oh, you think very they did? They
0: lost their, you know, confidence.
1: Yeah. There's a scene which I thought, oh wow, oh oh, that's the way it's going. Oh, that's quite good. Mm. And then they're like, ah, no, it's, it's, it doesn't matter.
0: I wonder whether that was in an early draft or something. Then.
1: Yeah. It's it's a it's it's a Marvel film, and they're becoming a bit sort of just nearly very good but not quite they like, know their just business kind of, man yeah
0: they know safe, what it takes to repeat success listeners send your thoughts in to superbellybros at gmail.com at superbellybros on twitter love to hear your thoughts on this one
1: yeah I really would yeah check it out
0: Right, I went to see Despicable Me Three, Phil, and this is my disclaimer and intro all in one.
1: So I feel like it's, we have to do a lot of these now. Well, it's
0: particularly yeah. Lorry disclaimer. So I went to the cinema. You know, I'm not going to give the name of the chain away, but suffice it to say, when you sit there, you can sit back, relax, and enjoy the sight. Okay, and uh, <laughs> my experience of it was: I looked up the listings and I saw that the house was showing, which is the Will Ferrell film that I nearly saw last week got there just in time you know rearranged a couple of work meetings so that i was going to be able to make it and when i got there they were like oh yeah it's not actually showing here the listings are wrong and i was angry about that i was quite disappointed because it meant i had to go and see despicable me 3 and i'll be completely upfront listeners i was not excited about seeing this film it didn't put me in the best of moods while i went in to see it and that doesn't help with this kind of film You'll know what the franchise is like, right? It's Groove voiced by Steve Carell. He is a bad guy who turns over a new leaf when three orphaned sisters, I think they are, show up in his life and he develops, you know, fatherly instincts and gradually moves away from a life of crime. And at the beginning of Despicable Me 3, we see him right in the middle of that new leaf having been overturned. He's there with his wife, who's played by Kristen Wiig, voiced by Kristen Wiig. Both of them are part of the AVL, I think it is, the Anti-Villain League, which is sort of a secret agents thing where they take down villains in right. high-tech ways. And, and the villain that they're chasing is this guy called Balthazar Brat, and he used to be the child star of a series where he was the main character, a bad guy called Evil Brat, a young kid who was you know dastardly and wore big shoulder padded 80s clothes. Yeah. But then when he went through puberty and started growing wispy moustaches and got spots, they didn't want him on the show anymore because mm. adolescence was weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's really bitter about it, got a chip on his shoulder and he's maintained his evil villain character's ways into adulthood. And so we see him stealing a large diamond and drew and uh, his wife lucy Kristen Wiggs character show up and foil his plans but let him get away they get recover the diamond but he gets away this leads to them being fired from their jobs at the avl so we have a grew who's a bit depressed and not really sure what to do with himself in the meanwhile the minions who we all love phil come on let's be honest we all love the minions don't we do you love the minions no yeah you do well done phil great they're disappointed because they hoped That now that uh, Gru's job has gone, he might return to a life of crime, which is kind of what they were involved in in the first place. But he doesn't want to because he's a new guy. So they leave him and they go off on their own kind of self-discovery altogether, led by Chief Minion Mel. Then also on top of this, one of the ways that they decide uh, that he needs to be cheered up is I can't remember quite how it happens, but I think a butler turns up and says, "Oh, I'm from your long lost twin brother Drew, and he wants to meet up with you." So then Gru has to meet his mum, who's played by Julie Andrews, and find out his twin brother, and then goes to his twin brother where he discovers his twin brother is you know the kind of good version of him right he's really successful he wears white suits and he's got hair whereas Gru is bald but the difference is he's always wanted to be a villain this twin brother and looks up to Gru but Gru is not a villain anymore are you getting it yeah how many other sort of scenarios could there could we throw into this film to make it interesting do you think Phil uh you got one more yeah there is one more thanks for saying that the avl has got a new boss i think it was david thewlis maybe who was doing the original voice but he's been been replaced by a new thrusting female leader and who doesn't like Gru as much so there's another thread to the story this is basically we've got a franchise we don't need to bother anymore put it together pretend like there's a story and then that's it would you like to hear a clip? It's of. Awesome. I have to say, I'm not really that fussed about the spickle Me as a franchise. Let's but. play the clip and, and uh, hear your thoughts more on it. So this is Drew and Gru, twin brothers, trying to infiltrate uh, a hidden villain's base. And it all goes wrong, comically.
2: I'm going in. Take the wheel. Oh, I still don't see why I can't go with you. Hey, hey, we discussed this. Now is not the time to mess with the plan. Bye. Yuck. <laughs> hey brother! What? I told you you were supposed to stay with the boat! Oh, I didn't think you meant that literally. What other way could I have meant it? <sighs> All right, let's move. Just follow my lead. Uh, Got it! Uh, look. Oh, no. <laughs> ah, help me! Oh, ow! Oh! Ow. Ow. Oh no! The place is oh. 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 I'm gonna be failed! Ah. <laughs>
0: Okay. Oh, I miss dominions. Now that clip, I think actually has the funniest gag in the whole film. And it's a visual one because uh, what they do is fly up and set their suits to sticky mode on this big tower. And then they land sort of spread eagled on it. Yeah. And that bit of the uh, you know, the clonking that you heard in the clip there is drew. Who's a bit hapless falling down the tower, like one of those sticky men you used to throw at the fridge. And yeah. It would fall and they down. kind of
1: roll down. Don't they?
0: That was a, a, a tiny glimmer of creativity uh, in the film. And the rest of it is, there's there's nothing there. What I I couldn't forgive the film for is that it sets up all these different narrative ideas to try and convince you there's a story. And at the very least, they could have done something with any one of them to make it stand out and actually be interesting. Whereas all they do, they've just gone as far in their story development meetings as that will do for the audience, and then left it at that. And I don't think we should allow films to do that, because... There's so much money involved and it costs so much to go to cinema. Why would we settle for averageness? Films that do this really well, Kung Fu Panda 3, I still thought, was good. It was fresh. It was funny. They pushed, even with new... It's the same sort of thing, right? You just add new elements like The Simpsons. Which characters can we focus on today? Yeah. How can we create a story? But at least they have the commitment to their audience to do something interesting with it, there's nothing here.
1: So they don't resolve those story elements at all? They or... do, but
0: you know what the resolution is before you start. Yeah. And they don't have any funny jokes along the way. What they do, in fact, that I also can't forgive it for, is they just borrow stuff. It's, it's done by committee again. So this bad guy, Balthazar Brat, because he was a child star in the 80s, is Mr. 80s culture. He's playing 80s songs constantly. He's doing 80s dance moves. Kind of funny. Not so much for the kids yeah that's, who cares about that oh they're doing it for the adults so the adults will watch and think hey this has got something in it for me but they don't do anything clever with that the best some of the best scenes are with him doing his 80s dance moves but that it gets old pretty fast right yeah they have a goat at one point that the little girl thinks is a unicorn and it does that goat scream that has become basically an internet meme goat screaming like humans ah, yeah exactly they just they just throw this stuff in and think well that's good enough the, the three words that are running through my head and they're all a matter of perspective are this film is fine it'll do for kids' entertainment. This film is perfunctory. They've gone as far as it needs to to get out the door. Therefore, it's fine. Third one is lazy. It's a lazy film. And I would challenge anyone who sees
1: it not to at least be able to spot that. Can I ask you what your opinion is of the franchise as a whole? Are you a fan of the films before it?
0: I I didn't really get Despicable Me 1, but at least that had the original concept of here's a villain who gradually becomes a good guy because he sees how valuable he is to these three girls
1: yeah i've if for whatever reason it's never connected with me i've never really understood it. i've never really got it yeah i don't really see what the, the appeal is but people seem maybe it's just not a film franchise for us i don't know but i'm a bit sad to hear that it seems to have got even worse rather than it's adding not something so much worse
0: it's just hit a floor of acceptability
1: and, and just thought well we'll just stay here we're, yeah. we're making
0: money out of this there's no need to push it any further yeah, I mean, the thing, I was in my head, I was writing what I thought was a kind of satirical little joke about bananas and how, like, minions go, bananas, and that's a famous thing, right? I even saw one review I read of this said, oh, how come there's no bananas shout in this film? People are actually wanting Ugh. it to be there. And I was going to make some joke about how the CEO of Banana Corp must be rubbing his greedy hands that, he, you know, bananas product placement is in this film. He got it. <laughs> but as we know, Phil, how is that, is that really I don't know. I don't know. But then as I kept thinking about that line, it actually made me sadder. Because you realise the reverse is actually true. The fact that minions and bananas have become associated doesn't mean that you know, bananas get unfair product placement. What it means is that when a little kid sees a banana in a shop, they think of minions. <laughs> that everyday <laughs> They branded a vegetable and yeah, fruit. Yeah, and how sorts. does that make you feel? <laughs> oh, that's bad, isn't it? I, I loathe the minions. They've got, I don't find them appealing, and I think only parents with young children who saw this at exactly the right time. I think they're the only people who have affection for them. I don't know. Sometimes they hit
1: the sort of silliness. I think they're overexposed, basically. Well, check
0: this I mean, how hilarious is this, right? There's one bit where they're doing like a Congo beat. One of the minions is wearing a coconut bra and tapping the beat out on the coconut bra. That's hilarious. Then not only that, later on they get shocked and one of the coconuts falls off. And so the other minion covers up You know, the chest, because it'd be rude, right? That's hilarious,
1: isn't it, Phil? I can see how it wouldn't be hilarious if you (laughs) not wanted to see this film in the first place, then you have to sit it, be a grown man by himself and stick with me three. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: Look, I apologize, because I think, like I said, it is fine. It's perfunctory, it's lazy. It's not a sort of disaster, but it's so unimaginative. And I think Steve Carell's vocal performance is quite bad. I think he sounds bored, and he has to do twice the work now because he's got to be this guy. He's Drew Andrew as well. So uh, yeah, I thought it was just hugely disappointing, and I I was really sad that I had to watch it in the first place. I didn't feel any better for having watched it. So what's the grade? For me, it would get a C+. It's just so average. Right, really, listeners. Really average. If you
1: are fuming, if your blood is boiling, if you're thinking Laurie just doesn't get it, Phil and Laurie, they're so miserable, it's just a fun kids' movie, email in. We'd love to hear what you loved about this movie. And we don't think we're right about these films. We just express an opinion. <laughs> Laurie, you don't think you're absolutely 100% right about this film, do you? No, of course not. I, that is
0: just how I felt when I watched it. And, that, you know, there's a big part of this, which is we've both said that the first one never really gripped us. So I don't have affection. Towards these characters, and if anything, their popularity all over the internet—it's not just us. Like loads of people hate minions because they're constantly used in memes, right?
1: Yeah. So if you want to challenge Laurie on that, get in touch. Give him your plus ones, or more likely the minus ones. I'd say almost certainly a minus. <laughs> <See> yeah. <many laughs> yeah. I, at to to. <laughs> and at Very on Twitter, get your thoughts in. Thanks very much. Thanks for watching it, Laurie. Mm, don't mention it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Right, Phil, I've got a must scene really quickly, and this is all full of positivity and joy, because must see or picture-perfect, is a moment in a film that we think is just brilliant. It's something that is dear to our hearts, basically. Exactly. And this week, I've got a scene from The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, listeners, if you've seen it, you'll instantly know what I'm talking about when I talk about the pipe scene. Harrison Ford is playing Richard Kimball, a doctor falsely accused... Uh, apparently falsely accused anyway of murdering his wife he's sentenced to be executed I think but along the way the inmates in his armoured car uh, basically kick it over and he escapes and so he goes on the run because he thinks and says I didn't kill my wife and I'm desperate to prove that I didn't and and find my friends and everything else and find out what really happened but he's on the run because the law has already convicted him of the crime so he's had various endeavours go sort of one way or the other and this is a point at which the cops seem to be onto him and are chasing him down and it gets unbearably close he enters a sort of sewage pipe system very closely followed by detective tommy lee jones and his police squad and they have a fantastic encounter tommy lee jones falls down a sort of slope uh, within the sewage system there's water everywhere he drops his gun and harrison ford picks it up and holds it on him so here is the police detective being held up by the guy who's on the run and says he didn't kill his wife Uh, And I think, basically, I'm building up to the one line, which really exemplifies this scene. Uh, At this point, Richard Kimball says this, and this is how Tommy Lee Jones' detective responds. I
2: didn't kill my wife! I don't care!
1: (laughs) You see, I love that, man. I know you do as well. Yeah, it's an amazing little piece of dialogue, uh, and it shows you so much about their characters, and it's kind of like this perfect little moment where you finally get is happening explicitly stated in a yeah. really simple, straightforward way. He he really cares the fact that he didn't kill his wife. He needs to prove it. He'll go all, any lengths whatsoever. He's desperate, yeah. Make sure that everyone in the world knows that he did not do this awful thing to the person he loves. And then Tommy Lee Jones, to counterpoint that, is, I don't care. It's his job. Yeah, he's just doing this job. He doesn't care whether or not he did it or did, did do it or not. He is just doing his job. He is the law. He will go and pursue this guy because that's what he's been told to do. And it shows uh, a real sense of his character. He's about the job. He's very matter-of-fact. He is a brilliant character to counterpoint the earnest sincerity of Dr. Richard Kimball. Brilliant. And it's a brilliant moment
0: in the film because it isolates these two characters physically, uh, but also... Uh, emotionally, as well, because it's not just uh, Richard Kimball meeting, I can't remember Tommy Lee Jones' character's name, not just those two guys meeting each other for the first time, although it is, and you see the immediate difference in their personalities. Tommy Lee Jones is quite sort of cynical and world weary, whereas Sir Harrison Ford, despite being convicted of a crime, is still earnestly searching for justice, but it also represents the meeting of the people the law represents and the law itself. And that sort of clash between, well, what does the law say is right and what does true justice actually look like? Justice is blind, etc. That kind of thing, right. And then it's all supported by the fact they're in they're in this tube. And when you're in a tube, you, you have to be on opposite sides. Uh, it's sort of a brilliant uh, physical representation of it because then also you've got the darkness and the chaos of the water not being able to see where you're going, being completely closed off, all except for literally light at the end of the tunnel which is where richard kimball ends up leaving and to demonstrate his point you know i didn't kill my wife and i'm going to prove it he has to leap out of a terrifyingly huge waterfall to continue isn't it a dam, yeah thank you for a dam to continue his search for the killers of his wife Uh, and tommy lee jones is baffled by this action because for, as he's just said this is just kind of his job and this is justice but here's a man uh, who believes it and is re- literally willing to take a leap of faith he's willing to die if it means that he has a, a slim chance of being able to find out what the truth is it's very small it's very short but it's excellently scripted cleverly filmed wonderfully soundtracked brilliantly performed it's one of those perfect moments i think man
1: yeah, I completely agree. And also, that film is just great. If you haven't seen The Fugitive, you need to watch it. It's such a good film. It's it holds up. Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's intense. It's pretty nasty. And it's
0: nastier than films that will show stuff in more explicit detail, because the implied threat is, um, is pretty severe, isn't it? Especially at the beginning.
1: Mm, there's a not a very nice scene where you hear the voice recording of his wife in her final moments. That's the one. Which is really tough. But the film is... High octane, brilliant, super exciting.
0: Absolutely, man. I'll play that sort of final bit where he leaps down the waterfall uh, to close out the segment. Uh, so here you go.
2: Put that gun down! Put that gun down! Now! Hands up! Over the head! Turn around! Richard, do you want to get shot? Look! What happened? Where'd it go? I did a Peter Pan right here off of this dam, right here. Right there.
1: Boom. Laurie, have you ever seen um, Apple do their like uh, special presentations, I have, yeah, and me. it almost feels a bit like like a weird sort of church meeting or whatever, <laughs> of, like, tech. It's
0: evangelistic, yes. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's I like, was attempting to make And everyone's
1: clapping all the time yeah. and cheering about, like, and now it's got four megapixels. <laughs> and, like, you see it at, like, conventions, gaming conventions, like, that sort of hype yeah, yeah, around yeah. things. Yeah. This is kind of, like, a weird satirization of that sort of thing. And this film is called The Circle. Mm. So The Circle is the name of a company uh, that is a bit like a Google... Or an Apple. A Google. (laughs) A Google or an Apple type company. Okay, right. I I really hope you're (laughs) just going to say a bit like a Google. (laughs) A Google. A Google. No, so it's a bit like one of those sort of mega companies, tech companies, but obviously it's like not really like that. But it's taking the idea of a super company, one of those companies that really cares about its employees and really wants to make a facility that's so wonderful so that you completely can pursue all the things you're interested in, blah, 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 you can work well, and the happier you are, the more committed you are to the company, the better, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it also happens to be one of these sort of super social media platforms, really. I think the platform's called, called True You, And the idea is it brings all of your social needs into one platform. So rather than having loads and loads of different things you need to deal with, you can just deal with one and everyone can go on through you. So you can draw the parallels between whatever company or social media website you want to. Are
0: there any of us who haven't tried to invent our own social media platform? You must have done it, Phil. No, not done (laughs) it. You really not I thought I (laughs) have. I came up with one called YourShelf.com. It's what? purely on the, someone saying the phrase Express Yourself They got it wrong And I thought that's a good idea <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to express myself through my shelf Express Yourself could be the,
1: the slogan that's And safe. then you put things right. on your right. shelf Like CDs well, and books and films This sounds like, a, bon- <laughs> this sounds like a bonus It's not real life So okay. let's pause right. it Say for later sorry. But anyway I'm giving you all that backlog information Because this is the new film uh, Starring Emma Watson It also stars Tom Hanks uh, It also stars Dom, John Yeager. It's got Pastor Oswald in it uh, It's also got the last appearance Of Bill Paxton Oh yeah right Sad. Um, That was terrible loss. Yeah, and this is based on a book. Originally, it's been released in Netflix for UK audiences. It was released, I think, last Saturday or Friday. But it was released theatrically in the US. m Watson, Tom Hanks, big stars. You think? I remember people talking about the trailer. It was going to be a big movie. Hasn't done well in America. I remember that. Straight to Netflix. Here it is. I can see why it hasn't done well because it's not a very good film. Right? It's not a very good film at all. You've got. A barely pass. Well, actually, no. She's she's just bad. She is really Who's really this? bad. Who's bad? Emma Watson <laughs> cannot act. She really really can't act at all in but, this film. Okay. And I feel really bad about saying that because I've defended her many times, based mostly Perks almost. Being in, yeah, Perks Boom Wolf. a She's great in that. She's she got is. an American accent. I thought maybe it's just if she's got an American accent. She's quite good. I
0: hear she's getting a bling ring as well for the same reason.
1: Yeah, but she's doing an American accent in this film. She's not so great. So she's playing this character May, who gets pulled in to the circle. She gets an opportunity to work at the circle. She goes there. She starts making waves. People really like her. She starts meeting the CEO, who's played by Tom Hanks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And slowly, she starts realizing that this company's amazing. It's going to take care of her sick her um, sick father's MS deal. Give him health insurance. They're going to sort out her life. Everything that she could possibly want. There's so many social functions she can be part of in the circle. Oh, It's just wonderful. And then a couple of incidences happen, and then we're, I'm building up to a clip here. A couple of incidents happen, and then there's this decision that May makes to be a bit of a pioneer within the company. They've just released these sea change cameras, which means that they're broadcasting HD information, uh, visuals as well as data Capturing and things like that. Anyway, she's going to be uh, wearing a sea change camera all the time, so she's basically going to share her life. She's going to go transparent. And here's Truman the
0: show slash um, what's it called that film uh, Dan in Real Life or EdTV? No, yeah, oh yeah, that's Ed TV. That's the one.
1: But anyway, here's the clip of her
0: announcement.
2: In the interest of sharing everything she can with the world, May has uh, May has some news.
0: From now on. I'll be wearing a modified sea change camera at all times.
1: I'm going fully transparent.
2: Maybe not in the bathroom.
1: I'll be starting immediately.
2: That's right. May will be the first circular to share every single second of her work her personal
0: life with the public
1: so let's give her an even bigger hand there you go there's some of m watson's acting i don't think it's convincing whatsoever you can't
0: see the acting though can you and i think it's her eyebrows and facial expressions that really don't sell it
1: yeah but having said that tom hanks is tom hanks he's a very competent movie star he knows how to do whatever role he's got funnily enough little tidbit the person who wrote this book also wrote the book that was a hologram for a king Oh, really? Which you saw, didn't you? I I thought it was possible, that one, yeah. Yeah, so this is... uh, The same author is inspired these two films. This is a really weird jumbled up messed up film it kind of starts with the whole idea of um almost like the firm you know the firm with yeah. tom cruise this sort of wonderful John company Grisham. that's going to take care of everything you could possibly want but then maybe there's something a bit nasty at the core then it goes into sort of truman show-esque oversharing yeah and uh then it becomes sort of a thriller horror movie-esque really yeah in the sense that like well she's wearing a camera all the time and like what that means except like found footage almost yeah sort of it's just it, it constantly seems to take very odd turns which don't really fit the things that have gone before it sort of doubles back on itself and changes the genre as soon as it gets a bit like as soon as that you start expecting it to kind of progress in that story mode it moves genre so it kind of resets very strange it's a very odd mix of things John Boyega has a kind of nothing part that doesn't really make sense or is resolved it's a very messed up film you've got these guys doing these apple-like keynote speeches and the I think the idea is the, the fact that they don't believe in it, they're just trying to get information and sort of observe the world like Big Brother or something like that. But then the whole time you can see right through to the, the rotten core of this, this company – but everyone seems to be everyone seems to have drunk the Kool-Aid, if yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. So everyone's acting like this is the best thing ever. And as an audience, you're thinking, well, no, it's not because of XYZ, all of like the whole alphabet of reasons why you wouldn't want to have cameras everywhere. But nobody seems to act like that's at all possible. The only people who seem to maybe realize that there's a problem with that idea of o- over surveillance, etc., is John Boyega and sort of Emma Watson. Right, okay. Because she kinda of thinks she starts thinking, Yeah, this is a bit weird, isn't it? But then she goes and goes full transparent. Well, Phil, so,
0: so I guess you're missing out the fact that this could be a clever bit of social commentary itself because what ways is society giving up its own freedoms and not uh, paying attention to the surveillance that they're under?
1: Yeah, that's a very <laughs> deep think thought about, there. Like, oh, you, know, yeah. you go and chew on that one. Honestly, you could watch it. It's on Netflix. You can put it on. You probably will not have a very good time. It seems like a bit of a, a joke of a movie that hasn't been written well, isn't performed particularly well. Uh, I think it's bad actively bad what's the deal here because it is a book as you say and presumably the book
0: has some kind of cohesive tone to it and this has been badly directed then because the guy can't figure out or I don't know who directed it but
1: how to make it it's the guy who did The Spectacular Now do you remember that film nope that was Miles Teller uh, he hasn't really done many for other films. It's, it's shot really nicely. Looks very nice. Uh, the script isn't good enough. The ideas have changed from the novel. I'll say, put it that way. Say so some of the the key plot points have moved and shifted, so that the resolution isn't quite the same. So I just think it leaves a very unsatisfying ending. But tell me that Papa Hanks, at the very least, uh, ups the quality. Yeah, he's good in his scenes. He's a very believable sort of charming CEO who would. ...kind of get affection, I think, from the people who listen to him... Right. ...you would be charmed by him. A Steve Jobs. Yeah, but then there's not enough time spent with him... ...there's not enough time spent really with May... ...she's a bit flat... Apparently, four months after the the film was complete, they did reshoots because her character wasn't very likable. And then apparently those reshoots made her more unlikable.
2: (laughs) So so it seems
1: like a film that just hasn't really done much with its premise. It's taken a very kind of solid idea of a kind of super company that isn't at its core, isn't very nice, but seems very good on the outside. And they've kind of done nothing with it. I think you should just check out The Firm, in all honesty. Yeah, that's a great film as well. Very tense. Good running from Tom Cruise as well. So what's the grade? I think it's a D. I don't think it's a good film at all. I I I felt like I've wasted my time. So what's the deal here? Because Netflix have done this a few times. They've picked up films that just failed to get proper distribution. Well, I think it makes sense with Netflix because it's got Emma Watson, who has uh, star appeal. It's got Tom Hanks. It's got an interesting concept. So they'll get the views, in other words. Yeah, it's the the perfect Netflix movie, which is, oh, I'd quite like to see that, but I don't want to have to pay for it.
0: But that's a shame because it means Netflix will, you know, in their original productions, will never have that same veneer Of quality that the big ones
1: do, because they put out stuff like this. Mm, But they haven't put it out. It's not a Netflix film. Okay. They bought it. They bought the rights to distribute it and show it, um, but it hasn't got their Netflix brand. And actually, Netflix seem to constantly go for very out there projects, whereas this is a project which hasn't really worked. And so they're just kind of releasing it so that people can watch it. The people who've heard about the trailer, I've seen the trailer. That's why I wanted to watch it. I was like, oh, right. uh, That's on Netflix. Okay, I'll watch it. And that's literally how I discovered it. And then I realized it was a brand new release for Netflix. And, yeah, it's just forgettable. There we go. What have we been watching this week? Woo! If
0: you're not tired of doing that yet, then I'll be a Monkey's uncle. <laughs> uh, I,
1: I'm more worried that I've just got it wrong. Was that all right, do you think? I thought that sounded pretty good. Well oh, done, Phil. Phew. Listeners, here we go. Old films reviewed for you. Phil, what's yours? My one this week is knobs and
0: Broomsticks. Nice. And I have been slow watching films recently, actually. Too much stuff. I've been trying to desperately keep up before I go on holiday next week, uh, which we need to say. To, <laughs> we that's a good said point. That actually. That's a good point. We'll cover that in a minute. Uh, but I am going to therefore review Galaxy Quest, a favourite.
1: Yeah, brilliant one. You first, man. knobs and Broomsticks. How
2: um,
1: did she do that? Because she's a witch. That's the sort of thing witches do. Sound the advance
2: here she comes in the most enchanting role of her career
0: you're not suggesting that i should take these children into my house exactly
2: the incomparable angela lansbury As Miss Eglantine Price, the apprentice witch Who's taking a correspondence course in witchcraft And funny man David Tomlinson as the lovable London con man Please note the name, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Emilius Brown I am here to divert, to amuse, and yes, even to help you In Walt Disney Productions' super magical motion picture, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I like you better as a rabbit, Charlie. Together, they lead three homeless Cockney waifs.
1: They take us to the island of Naboombo.
2: Through a world of magic. More fantastic than anything you've ever seen before.
0: a wicked witch of course
1: i'm not homeless cockney waifs i'm pretty sure you can't say that in this day and age i oh, know you can't this film's from the 70s so i think it gets a pass hmm. now i have to be careful about what i say about this film do you indeed because it is very dear to you somebody who is important to me <laughs>
0: uh... <laughs> why why bring it up now then why do it
1: because i i if i <laughs> seem a bit awkward about my review it's because i'm choosing my words carefully because I know that this is beloved to some and so I don't well, want well to... on your head be it exactly so this is a film released in the 70s it stars David Tomlinson as you heard who is Mr. Banks mm. from Mary Poppins and this is about well nearly a decade after Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins is what I grew up with and I watched it many a times you watched it as well Laurie you were I there I certainly did but I've never seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks me and either you chat about these things when you're dating someone and then it comes up and they're like no, let's watch it Okay, so I watched it uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as Mary Poppins. I For me, Mary Poppins is the superior film. But having said that, this is a good family fun adventure. I'm sure it is. And this yeah. is about yeah. a trainee witch, as you heard in the trailer, played by Angela Lansbury, who has been doing a course uh, through correspondence, been getting sent magic tricks and texts to learn her witchcraft. Uh, and then she finds that she's kind of reached the ceiling. And so she goes to London using a magical bed, uh, to meet the person who's been sending her stuff but he turns out to be a bit of a hack but then she is actually a witch who's being able to do some stuff and so they kind of go on this adventure to try and discover the secrets of what they've begun to discover but haven't fully realized yet. right and along with them is some refugees because this is set during the second world war and these three refugees have come and stay with Angela Landry she's not a big fan of them but she's sort of put up with them for now and she says you can come along uh, and I'll enchant this bed, we can travel wherever we want using this magical bed, hence bed knobs and broomsticks. I mean, that's uh, two questions, Phil. I mean, it's it's very conspicuous
0: to... What is the word that Harry Potter would use? Magic a bed? What's the phrase? The witch a bed? I don't know. And get it flying through the sky. That would seem odd to most people. Secondly, in a war, when there's like air raids going on, what's that bed going to do with bullets ripping through the sky? It seems
1: to go through interdimensional travel and kind of Stanley oh, Kubrick 2001 like psychedelic Yeah, it's very weird. This is a bit of a trippy movie. I was a bit like, <laughs> what's going on? There's suddenly like, it was a very bizarre film to watch now. Um, but you've also got this backdrop of the war and Nazis make an appearance in England there's a weird bit of Nazis in them which I was like what? what's going on? some of the scenes work better than the others there's a lovely scene in Portobello Road where you know the market the famous market they heard the song and uh, you get a nice little dance number from various different cultures which maybe now might be a little bit insensitive and a little bit stereotypical (laughs) but if you take it as quite a, a kind-hearted thing is quite a nice sequence it's old 40 years ago so you see some Scottish Highlanders do their thing you see some uh, people from India do Indian style dancing etc etc the standout sequence for me is the uh, underwater sequence where you get a kind of Mary Poppins and the Penguins esque style scene where you've got real life uh, people acting alongside cartoons voiced and animated by Disney that's a really lovely scene. But then immediately after that, they go to the island of Mbumbu or something like that. Right. And there they meet the king, uh, a king lion who has decided to be a soccer game using the various animals of his kingdom. I love that sequence. It genuinely put a massive smile on my face. It's really obvious sort of thing. So they have ostriches uh, burying their heads in the sand. You've nice. got elephants afraid of mice. You've got alligators and their teeth chomping away. It's just a well constructed classic Disney scene. That's cool. And I thought, I haven't seen that in probably a decade now, yeah, one of those right. scenes and not seen it before. And there's some joy in that. That's if you cool. haven't seen it before, it's really lovely seeing like a really nice, genuine piece of animation that's using really quite straightforward ideas, but using them well, putting charm. together a nice scene. I don't think I've ever seen an animated football scene. Uh, and it's quite funny hearing them say soccer. It's a bit like
0: Space Jam.
1: Uh, no, there's... the <laughs> I, So I remember watching the trailer for this film on one of our VHS copies. I think it was for Mary Poppins or something. And I thought the whole film was like them with cartoons the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's not. That's just one sequence, the The uh, Space Jam-esque sequence. It's just literally one little moment and amongst a lot of different scenes. Bruce Forsyth makes an appearance. No, really. As a slightly shady character in Portobello Road. I didn't know he'd been in any films. <laughs> I didn't know either. Until he was pointed out to me, I had no idea who it was. And she was like, oh, do you recognise who that is? And I was like, no. And I had to literally get really nice close to the screen. Ya. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But he's very young in this. Yeah, I think it's good fun. I would say Mary Poppins is a superior film, but I'd probably get shot for saying that. But I'm saying anyway. Oh. But
0: I mean, on its own terms, is there anything actually wrong with it?
1: No, 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 it's a perfectly enjoyable film. I just didn't see it when I was a kid. And I think it's interesting watching a film like this when you're not a kid uh, with somebody who's seen it as, a, as kid, a kid. Because there are all these moments that she was saying, oh, this is great. Check this out. Well, and family stuff. Yeah, exactly. And she remembers all the words, etc., etc. And I had none of that. And that's quite nice but also a bit bizarre, is what is is the reverse of showing your favourite movie is yeah. being the one <laughs> being shown yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I need to do a little segment on that as an experience. That's a good
0: point. We only ever do it from the other way around, don't we? Fair mm. play, yeah.
1: Okay, what would your grade be, Phil? I would give it a very, very respectable B. And w- does it hold up? You think audiences today, there's stuff to enjoy? I really think that football scene, the soccer scene with all the animals and uh, the animation is just wonderful. I really thought that was brilliant. I really stand outish. ish It's quite slow-paced, but if you are looking for something which you haven't seen before an old style disney it is worth it it's kind of in the vein of mary poppins but slightly different um it has some charm yeah definitely nice. so i wouldn't avoid it by any means
0: good work man thank you. i might try it out i mean certainly i will look up that soccer scene that sounds good right shall you mind yes interesting you know nice segue because i'm about to do exactly what you just described which is do a film which is almost entirely a family favorite for <laughs> yeah. us. uh galaxy quest
2: In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got? Never give up. And never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? (laughs) Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Now, Laredo, take us out. You gotta move to the right. Would you sit, sit your, your ass out? down? You
0: wanna drive this to.
2: Acting like heroes. <laughs> the whole thing was oh. just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. They look like little children. Hi, little guy. Oh, am DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen Sigourney Weaver Alan Rickman Galaxy Quest You're just going to have to kill it. Well, go for the mouth. The throw has vulnerable spots. It's a rock. It doesn't have any vulnerable spots.
0: Well, man, just watching that trailer I forgot, I've sort of forgotten how much I love this film great movie it's got so many brilliant set pieces listeners if it wasn't clear in the trailer this is a film starring Tim Allen who plays Captain Jason Nesmith of the NSEA Protector from uh, Galaxy Quest a, a 70s TV show that was really popular in his fictional universe and this is joining the actors something like 20 years after it started when they're where, doing the conventions yeah, they're got doing a massive, the fan arenas huge cult following everyone dressed up as all kinds of aliens and as the captains they turn up sign autographs and there's a whole thing that the actors are there tied to these conventions as a way to make money but lots of them really resent it perhaps none more so than Alan Rickman's character who plays Alexander Dane who is the equivalent of Spock in this show and he has his catchphrase by grab Thar's hammer you shall be avenged and you know part of his character is he cannot stand uh, the idea of saying that line ever again, and he you've re- refused to say it at these fan conventions because he's sort of it, it. It's like a millstone around his neck. He says, "I should be doing a play. I played Richard III, um, but here I am on this convention circuit, wearing makeup and having to say, say 'By Grabfather's Hammer' and Sigourney Weaver, who used to be the sort of uh, a sexy voice of the ship somehow, but also on the on the ship itself. There's, it's a classic crew, exactly like." the original Star Trek crew. But you know, besides all those, the bitter cast, Jason Nesmith, Tim Allen's character, is the only one who seems happy with it. And of course, why wouldn't he be? He's the commander because he gets all the adulation and all the praise, all the fans love him and when he comes on stage, he's like a rock star. He always turns up late, he wears his shades and he's like, yeah, yeah, never give up, never surrender and they love him but everyone else kind of hates him. So... With that dynamic going on, when actual aliens turn up at a convention requesting his help, he thinks it's just a gig, they're going to film him as like a fan-made film and it'll take some money. Actually, they take him up to an actual spaceship, which these aliens have made based on watching these TV shows, which they think are historical documents, because they happen to catch them on the airwaves out there in space. They are dealing with a deadly enemy, and they want the captain of the NSEA Protector to come in and help them. Uh, And suffice it to say, the coup gets mixed up in a real galactic battle. And it is hilarious watching these actors try and fill the roles that they've been filling on TV for 20 years. I I
1: think I'd be fair to say there are sort of no surprises in the plot, right? No, but it is a very solid parody and sort of, yeah, of Star Trek and the whole world of Star Trek, the fans of Star Trek. It does manage to do both. It's not just a parody of the the show, but it's the whole aura around the show. Yeah, the whole uh, experience of Trekkies, etc., that it does really well at making fun of it but in a kind of loving way yeah in
0: a love, it doesn't sort of put these people down for it in fact if anything it praises them for their passion because the actors as part of the film as I say it's quite predictable they also sort of grow to love their heritage as these fictional characters they're forced to because they're in a life or death situation where their only option is to be these fictional characters uh, and then you've got um, Brandon who is playing that uber fan uh, played by Justin Long who's had a bit of a career since then hasn't he He's kind of, you'd recognise his face oh yeah absolutely name. Yeah, and he plays the uber fan who, at one point, you know, they say to him, "Oh, it's all real," and he loses his mind and he says, "I knew it! I knew it!" <laughs> and I think a lot of Star Trek fans would recognise that and not be put down by it, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's done very affectionately and it's just really kind-hearted and fun. And not only that, I think it's a brilliant just action movie and adventure movie. It's really,
0: really well plotted. For the fact that it's got an ensemble cast, and, you know, check out the cast list online, It's, it's fantastic. Everyone feels like they've got enough time to have a really complete character arc. It's really quite impressive from a plotting perspective. Not only that, but they've got enough time to set up this backstory... And the context of the characters in that scenario, but also the context of the characters within the fictional show, and then in this new alien threat, where uh, with these aliens who kind of walk in a funny way, and against Sarus, is it uh, the evil bad guy? There are so many different contexts that require setup, and they are done effortlessly. You barely notice it happening. There's, ha- there's hardly any obvious exposition. And yeah,
1: I think in the the great big kind of collection of films in the sci-fi genre, I think it's kind of forgotten. People yeah. don't seem to know about it. It often appears on the hidden gems list that I see. I sometimes browse when I'm bored. Yeah, no, true. Yeah, and it's funny because something like the Big Bang Theory, for example,
0: purports to do this, right? I take a loving look at uh, geek culture and fandom because they're Star Trek fans, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. This is so much better than that. It's, got, um, it's much kinder, I think, than the Big Bang Theory and way funnier as well. And this is the thing that um, makes me nervous, Phil, because I, well, I remember watching it when I was really quite young with our family. And our parents would always giggle at specific lines in this film. And so then I did, and I picked it up. And because I knew that they were meant to be funny, those lines, because my parents laughed at it, I spent time figuring out why they're funny. And now when I watch it, I laugh at those exact same moments. And, it, and that makes me a <laughs> <Retoractively> bit nervous. Retroactively <laughs> spit
1: the jokes in.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it kind of makes me nervous because I wonder if I'd watched it apart from our parents, whether I would have found it as hilarious as I do now. Like, for example, Sam Rockwell is in this brilliant, the guy who was in Moon, if you don't recognize the name, uh, as a fan who kind of gets caught up in it all. He wears the suit to the conventions and uh, doesn't he announce them? He's the MC or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sort of thinks he's part of the crew. Uh, And there's one point where uh, he's trying to give advice to the captain who's fighting this sentient rock monster. And he says, can you see anything around you? Can you construct uh, construct some kind of uh, rudimentary lathe? To which Tim Allen says, "A lathe, <laughs> get off the line." And my parents always thought that was hilarious. I never knew what a lathe was, but I still laugh. I still don't
1: want a lathe, this, but it makes sense. I think I think you can pick up these jokes regardless, but it does help if you do have a bit of a, an affection for the Star Trek series oh, because totally. some of the gags are about the kind of ridiculous conventions and genre bits that the these films always seem to have, like the bit when they have to go through a ridiculous sequence of chompers and things to yeah, stop yeah. A, the ship exploding or whatever it is. And uh, Sigourney Weaver says, why is it this way? Why do we have to go through these deadly devices? And it's like, well, because well, in the, the, show, the show you yeah. have to do it. So <laughs> you got to get through the
0: chompers to save the ship. That's how it is. And, you know, a huge props. have got to go to Sigourney Weaver, who is, let's not forget, one of the icons of science fiction being Ripley from alien. And here she is sending herself up brilliantly. She's fantastic. She is really awesome in this role uh and plays it to the hilt similarly tim allen voice of buzz lightyear i think proving that in his heyday he was as gold as a comedy front man ever got
1: oh yeah he's got a really good mix of being sort of a believable hero he's funny but he's also cynical. a bit of a schlub isn't he yeah he's he's really well cast the movie is amazing cast i can't really believe yeah. they managed to get all these people in it. The guy a monk yeah yeah even <laughs> but even like the little bit characters are significant actors. The aliens that are uh, populating the ship, um, not just the crew, but the aliens in their sort of weird, are. Mm. weird little suits and uh, weird haircuts. And they have that kind of particular laugh, blah, 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 or whatever it is. Yeah, they're all played by like actors who've now gone on to be in big things. It's true. Like the guy who plays uh, Dwight in The American Office is one of the aliens. That's right.
0: He is. You're right. I'd forgotten about him. He's. Uh, is he the requisition officer or whatever it is? Something yeah. like that, yeah. Uh, listeners, if you've never seen it before, it's really just joyous and fun and worth a go i mean phil and i have kind of uh, rambled through a fans version of it there because it's a film that's been part of our lives for many years but it's definitely liked by the people who've seen it i've never met anyone who didn't like the film i think our aunt uncle didn't really get it did they not you're mm. kidding me don't, don't say that out loud <laughs> uh, listen let's go and watch it for me it gets an a i think it's wonderful it's a great film it I always really, makes really you feel it. happy about
1: the world <laughs> basically it's quite a good, solid, pure movie. Just yeah. a movie movie, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does,
0: Phil. It truly does.
1: Listeners, send your thoughts, plus ones, minus ones, to
0: superbaileybros at gmail.com or at bros on Twitter. Phil, so what's your yodeling like? yeah good solid. i mean i was gonna get you to do it as like an email thing okay <laughs> how do you yodel it's not <laughs> yodeling <laughs> phil it's like email oh right i can't do it you do it it's done now okay let's <laughs> move it along listeners thanks so much for getting in touch via twitter and email first up martin got in touch hey bros called a late showing a baby driver last night and listened to your review this morning Largely agree with your assessments. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Funny, clever, great action, and super cool. Although I disagree with you about Lily James. Oh i thought she did a great job of playing that somewhat naive innocent love interest and i've not seen any of her other films had to look her up after listening to your comments so maybe that's a big part of it if you've not seen her before going in blank yeah there's a bit more to it because she i think she's a really brilliant actress and i I hope that came across in our review me more so than you i think she she played it well she did exactly what she was asked to do i thought she was just miscast when compared to ansel elgort i found out it is Mm. elgort not oh right oh (laughs) gosh
1: yeah I think maybe it's just underwritten. Her little role was underwritten. That's my maybe my issue she more very, than She had a
0: very defined niche, didn't she? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he does say, I couldn't buy into John Ham. I agree with you, Martin. Oh, no, he was S- fine. No, he says he stuck out like a tin of spam at a farmer's market. <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. I love that. Zig. Uh, just didn't believe in him or his relationship with Darling, uh, his compatriot there. It's funny how some actors just look like actors on the screen while some can disappear into the role. I guess a lot of it is on us as the audience. Lily, I believed, Ham, not so much. Mm, I like John
1: Ham more than Lee James I'm
0: in complete agreement with Martin on this one I, I didn't believe John Hamm at all uh, he says your scripted intro had me laughing out loud with my headphones on Insane priest last week oh that's <laughs> fun that's a nice little image I took a little photo of that script I'm tempted to put it up on Twitter because we laughed our way through it so you couldn't really even hear what we were saying <laughs> what
1: Laurie means is he was really proud of his script and he thought there's were some really good jokes <laughs> and I ruined it by laughing thing, well, I'm sorry g- I was having a good time Laurie <laughs>
0: I didn't think they were good jokes. I thought they were bad jokes. Which good bad jokes, though, yeah. that's what you mean.
1: <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm glad people liked it. Tweet it out then. Why, be my guest. Be my
0: guest. Be... Uh, really looking forward, he goes on, to Dunkirk, which we've talked about a bit. He says, what is Laurie's problem with Christopher Nolan? The man I don't is know. Th- I hold, think he's just on. a cynical, can, horrible can, man. Can, hold on. He goes on to say, the man's a genius. Have you never seen a Prestige? Definitely in my all time top 10. Keep up the great work, bros, The Other Martin. Thanks. What's your Martin. opinion on uh, Prestige? I thought The Prestige was intriguing. I think that was the first Christopher Nolan film I saw. And I thought, wow, this is really sort of impressively put together. Very mysterious, but very serious as well. Like, it's very heavy, that film. And one of my major memories is David Bowie playing Nikola Tesla, right? Mm,
1: I think maybe your reaction to Christopher Nolan is not necessarily to do with Christopher Nolan or his films at all. I think it's the fans of Christopher Nolan, (laughs) which I think I've hit it right on the head, haven't I? I think you're right. I struggle with the
0: adulation Christopher Nolan receives. I struggle with the fact... There's so many of his films get put in top 10 lists because I think, Martin, he is brilliant at what he does and never hear me say anything else. I think he is top draw in the skill department uh, for producing films you just like the prestige they're all very similar actually they've all got some kind of almost supernatural uh, puzzle like element to them they're very they're like an illusion so i'm not surprised at all that he did a film based on you know Illusions. magic mm. there's ones that stand out and i think the other part of it is that people often talk about the dark knight the middle of the batman trilogy as if it's this amazing film that they've never seen the like of before i thought it was okay i think it's impossible for people who saw it at the time it was released to disassociate it from heath ledger and his portrayal of the Joker, which was good, but the fact that Heath Ledger died, you know, it just... Skewed it all. Yeah, and, and not and, you know I don't blame people for that, because it's terrible. I, I miss Heath, Heath Ledger. I think he was brilliant. I genuinely feel that cinema is the worst for him having passed away uh, so young. It's tragic. But I don't think The Dark Knight... Is an amazing film. The key thing, Martin, I think, that defeated it for me. Phil is right about the fan thing. The major other thing is Batman Begins, which I've never liked. I watched it and I thought, "What is this?" We watched since, that together, didn't we? Since when is Batman like a secret ninja? What, we Liam watched that one. Ne- Liam going- Neeson is a ninja master. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I thought that film was ridiculous and took itself way too seriously. I've never seen that with you, though. Do you? Yeah. Did I like it at the time? I don't think so. I think I remember you saying it was okay, but it wasn't like standout ish. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's it. When Christopher Nolan ha- makes films of a certain type, I don't think he deserves. Quite the praise he gets, but he certainly knows what he's doing. It'll be interesting seeing Dunkirk because that's completely real, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm struggling to think of a film like that that he's done before.
1: Mm, Probably the closest might be Memento.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Okay, moving on. Alistair tweeted... At belly Bros heard your pod today and your chat on Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring is bang on. The Minds of Moria and Forest Fight are the best of all three. Ooh, Helm's Deep is so
1: good though. Helm's Deep is top-notch battle.
0: I'm a big, we know this already, I'm a big fan of Fellowship of the Ring. I think
1: their final sequences of that are the best of any in the trilogy. I think, I think I might, no, I think Helm's Deep is still the pinnacle of the films, but... But I do agree that ending parts of uh, Fellowship of the Ring are fantastic. I think in my head, Fellowship of the Ring, I always just think of the massive slog you have to go to before it all gets going. But like, I disagree. I love that. The bit that from builder. Hobbiton to uh, Rivendell, I just think, oh, it's so long. You're so or, wrong, man. I
0: love that. Maybe that, it's cause Get off the road <laughs> and
1: put it out, you fools. That's all there. <laughs> but then I also remember reading the books and remember being like, come on, get to Tom the bit. Tom Bombadil which is cool. was hard to get through. Oh, come yeah, on exactly. and the white. That's What's the that? thing. It's the Tom Bombadil effect <laughs> okay. in the Fellowship of the Ring. That makes
0: sense to me. But you just need to put that beside. You know, aside, do it. don't it's watch my the extended versions either. That's my top mm. tip. Uh, the, the other ones are edited better but anyway Addison thanks very much and that's praise for you for your little muscle. yeah thank you see. very much
1: I was quite pleased with that good job on the editing well, to, well you mean putting music behind it yeah it, it sounded good maybe it, it sounded so epic well?
0: <laughs> okay Betty Rose from Cal listening to a podcast last week what we've been watching Enemy of the State Tony Scott dropped off as he sadly passed away in 2012 and I think Cal is suggesting that we just said oh I wonder where he's gone <laughs> um, gosh which I hope we didn't say but it's entirely possible I didn't know that he passed away in 2012 uh, so thanks for the heads up that's sad I, I really liked Enemy of the State and uh, I hope others out there Enjoyed it as well. very wrote to Nicholas. Got in touch a couple of times. Number one film. Quick tip to open chocolate coins, which is based on our bonus from yeah, last yeah, week's yeah, episode. Interested. In case you didn't stay to the end, break them in two. He says, "Oh no, you can't do that. That's that's like offensive to the coin." I can't picture how it would solve the problem, Nicholas, either, because you'd still lose bits of chocolate. From the crumbs, maybe you <laughs> of use the split. a knife or something. That's and my slice it. it in half. Yeah, mm, I'll have to try it, and I'll, and I'll report back with my findings. Leave it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he goes on. Good Avatar Retrospect review. Uh, more cheese than wine. That's you know. We haven't yeah, done, cheese, and wine we haven't for done ages. cheese or wine. All these little segments we had, and they kind of well, the, the thing is, what we're watching fashion. kind of is cheese or wine, isn't it? Because we say whether we recommend it or not. She's the one who's got a very specific... Uh, anyway, it very specific feel. Is that because it's your segment? Yeah, I remember coming up with that idea. <laughs> he carried on. Another tweet, plus one for Baby Driver. Another strong director performance from Edgar Wright with a great ensemble. Amazing editing and sound
1: editing. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Very fresh.
0: Yeah, and it's getting rave reviews and it is really, really worth seeing. Phil and I, you know, we didn't think it was perfect, but it was pretty close as far I as I think- things go
1: in the grand scheme of what comes out in the summer it's a great little bit of fresh air yeah it's really good worth a watch esther
0: says that Sue's belly bros 100% agree on laurie's point about
1: modern day morality
0: imposed on characters from the past i find it very frustrating too that is in reference to me saying I was pleased with the way that In This Corner of the World didn't shirk away from sort of... Uh, the different values of the time. Yeah, tough values of the time for women especially. Well, I'm glad you agree with me, Esther. I'm really curious to know listeners' thoughts on that. Because my overall view is that it slightly cheapens the victories of today if you pretend that secretly everyone thought it at the time. Because then that paints a much more negative picture on people in the past as if they all knew better but they just, you know, suppressed it anyway.
1: That was slightly your beef with uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Uh, Newt Scamander. A little bit of that. Being not kind of having, not that you want him to be racist or anything like that, but being completely modern day in his values. Yeah,
0: to... and people disagree with me on my interpretation of that as well. So let's not go down that rabbit <laughs> hole here. Uh, but thanks very much for the tweet, Esther. And finally, uh, Ellie got in touch. Hello. Who well, no, this could be, Phil. Despite whatever Phil is going to say about this film, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, it's an absolute classic which needs to be embraced and accepted. In hindsight, it may be a little far fetched at a couple of points, and I'm not sure a witch and her three refugees could stop the Nazis invading England, but when you're eight years old, it all makes complete sense. And let's face facts the songs are better than the ones in La La Land. <laughs> I like the ones in La La Land. <laughs> but they're not that memorable.
1: Uh, city
0: of Rubbish no that's <laughs> that's, rubbish. that's not even I actually quite like that song I,
1: I was just under pressure to call it something funny do you know what I mean <laughs> yes, City of Rubbish that's quite appropriate yeah. about LA as well just
0: another day in Tinseltown I can't even remember them properly <laughs> you do quite well no, thanks very much uh, yeah I haven't seen Bedknobs and Ribsticks, so I can't comment but there you go Phil mm, Portobello Road has been in who my that head that was who's emailing in it's yeah, weird I wonder, that she's seen it at the same time as you isn't that it? <laughs> strange uh, on a different note she says I thought Spider-Man was hilarious this film has a pretty dull storyline but you almost don't mind because it rides so easily on a good lead and a constant stream of jokes probably the first film i've seen in a while where the actors are convincing as high school kids so thumbs up for that but thumbs down for impossible spoiler gwyneth randomly turning up at the end so 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 unnecessary and that's pepper potts right yeah, she even gets a credit, like, as a main person in no. the in the last bit of the She's credits. She's still a big name, isn't she?
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Ridiculous.
0: It says it added nothing to the film. Also, thumbs down for the person I was with, making me stay to the very end to watch a clip through the longest ever run of credits. It is
1: not worth it. <laughs> well, I think it kind of was, in a way. I think you would have probably actually really enjoyed that post credit scene so? in Spider-Man Homecoming. I think you would have been... Uh, well, actually, I'd be interested. I don't want to spoil it for you, Laurie. I don't want to spoil it for any listeners. But I feel like you would either roll your eyes in disgust or kind of chuckle to yourself and be like, "I won't to spoil it for me now, man. We'll talk about this off air." Yeah,
0: okay. uh, listeners, that's it this week. Thanks so much for being in touch, email and tweets. Keep them coming in. And as I sort of failed to include in my rubbish intro this week to the show, I'm not going to be here next week for two weeks, in fact. And you're not going to be here for a week after that. So there's not going to be any
1: proper Super Betty Bros shows for three weeks. We're going to try and juggle some little bits and bobs in there, uh, fit them in somehow. But yeah, yeah, if you don't mind, we're going to have a bit of a holiday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's about time. Uh, Okay, right. Thanks, guys. Stay in touch. Thank you, thank you, thanks Hey, I hope you enjoyed our uh, presentation for the day And I hope it's given you a little kernel of hope And let's not forget guys, today we can change the world Right here in this room, we can change the world I want to know that you feel like you're part of that Are you part of that? You're going more south Oh no, I've got to stop this film It's one of my worst ideas (laughs) Why? I wrote it down with so much joy (laughs) Because I thought this is going to be funny I'm going to destroy Ted In in a single handed handed army (laughs) Enjoyably biting In the end I think it was just weird Might have put people off some people might not even hear this. I it. think it was quite weird. Well, there we go. That's what happens sometimes, listeners. you not take risks. The, the moral of this story is don't try in life, isn't it? Right. You're so business. Thanks <laughs> so much uh, for listening this week. Hope you enjoyed our thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming. What did I see again? Despicable Me 3 and you also sort of circled.
1: Yeah, you? and a couple of what we've been watching as well.
0: That's right. Send your thoughts in to us. We love to get them. Give us a plus one if you think we're on the money. Minus one if you think we do not know what we're talking about. Quite likely. Superbellybros at gmail.com or at SuperBellyBros on Twitter.
1: Thanks, guys, and see you guys in a few
0: weeks. Yeah, in a few weeks' time, and as we say, we'll put sort of placebo episodes in place so you don't, you know, forget that we're there. We still exist. <laughs> Bye, guys, have a great, sunny few weeks. Bye. That's all for now. So, Phil, it looks like we've queued up a stack of bonuses after me complaining that I was running low.
1: Yeah, well, you know, life happens and you pick up a couple more. Do you want to do the computer voice thing we talked about? Well, this is while we were recording. We were just trying to do the movie voice. Yeah. You know, the uh, automated phone into the cinema or whatever. Hello. That hello. Kind of... The hello. slightly delayed thing. You're better at it than I am. I don't think so. Do you we, we need a
0: sentence to say. So what, what the film person said is say, hello, welcome to, I don't know, Odeon Leicester Square. Would you like to see? And then list off some of the films.
1: You have a go. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Odeon Leicester Square. The film's... The C today. are despicable me three. The circle. I can't remember any other films. <laughs> the one you saw, maybe? Oh, spider-man Homecoming. Right, right, right. I'm putting too much. I'm too, way you're, too much. You're, you're, you're
0: chopping it up, maybe more than they would to you. Like, let me have a go. Okay, okay. You go, go. Okay. Hello, welcome to Odeon Leicester Square. No, that's so good. <laughs> Leicester Square. Leicester Square the films currently show it. no what am I doing this isn't right do you know I actually did this when I auditioned to be the voice of the Oxford tour bus <laughs> they, tra- they gave me a script that had airport announcements on it and they said can you do this you know like please remember to keep your bags with you at all times please exit to Terminal 31 it's really hard to know how to read that do, do your best airport voice because they're not looking for please remember to check your bags that kind of
1: so thing so you want calm and serene well, and-
0: just airports that was kind of all they told me
1: please exit to Terminal 31
0: that's pretty good, actually, Phil. I can hear that with a bit of echo. Do you want me to put that on? Yeah, put post? some echo, please. You. You tried, what this was your this isn't what really was your a take? Bonus, what this was, this was just your us take? Doing impressions. I can't I'm remember what I said. I think I said something along the lines of. Please ensure that your bags and your coats are with you at all times. And it was a bit too much personality, I think. So. Ooh, too much, too much lorry. Yeah. always the lorry, there's, lorry. There's always too much lorry <laughs> in everything I do. It's terrible. Uh, Have a go at home. Can I, can I throw in an extra one, Phil? Because that was just silly. I was off the <laughs> car. I just, because I felt really joyful when I did this. So this is a bonus or bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing guitar outside uh, yesterday in the sunshine. I was with my family and I was just feeling great. So I thought I'm going to get the guitar out and play. I recently put some new strings on it. It was all good. And but the song I was songs I was being requested were like "Barbar Bar Black Sheep" and toddler's nursery
1: rhyme. <laughs> you got to go with the audience, haven't you?
0: But the, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, I re- because I was outside, I was being a little self conscious because I'm sure my neighbours could hear as well. So I was being a bit cautious about <laughs> it. And as I came to the end of "Barbar Bar Black Sheep." I was playing it in two lower keys, so I was singing it a bit higher, a bit more like a rock song. Have you any wool? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. And when it came to the end, I found myself just doing this naturally. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Three bags full. Yeah, you no, know, you make me wanna shout. And I suddenly realized I don't think there's a single <laughs> song in existence that doesn't transition perfectly <laughs> into that riff. Well, the that one from, Lulu, uh... that Lulu riff is amazing. You know, yeah, make me want to shout. Like, do it. Have a go. Sing oh any no, song. I can't do. It. I can't do. It. You sing Wonderwall. The end of Wonderwall. Oh, what's the last word in that song? That's a after dritty. all. You're my wonderwall. After all You're my wonder Whoa. <laughs> You know you make me want a shout It's, it's perfect, perfect. <laughs> I think it might be the most perfect uh, Little <laughs> melody line ever written uh, That's my challenge to you listeners Is there a song that cannot transition into Shout by Lulu Who nails it by the way in the recording mm. She's brilliant There you go, that's the end of bonus <laughs> Bonus bonus We're recording I don't think this is going to work Phil <laughs> It's big corporate products. Uh, you know you know how I feel about those things. In fact, I've got a couple of jokes along those lines that are not very good. Probably not even very enjoyable, Phil.
1: Right, let's hear them. Do
0: you, know what you want to do that? Yeah. The first one I had, I think this might be satire, Phil. By honest, I'm not sure <laughs> oh, it's a good start. whether it, it is.
1: It <laughs> so you can, I think it might be you, you satire. You can tell me what
0: this is. So, uh, right, <clears throat> here you go. Let me tell you what I'm really sick about, Phil. What I you mean, sick for about? goodness sake, have bananas not already... Hold on. Has Banana Corp got no depths to which it will not stoop to get its brand out there? I mean, look what they've done to the chimpanzees, right? There's b- banana products everywhere. I mean, they even flippin' had Banana Man, right? I mean, I, I'm getting sick to the back teeth of seeing Banana Corp's product placements all over the place. And even in this film, these treasured minions, they, they can't do a film without referencing bananas. I'm disgusted with the CEO of Banana Corp living in his big yellow banana house, raking in the millions from putting his products out there. Get it? not really okay. It's
1: not <laughs> really I don't get it at <laughs> all Does this a, doesn't make no, sense?
0: I think I, uh, yeah, This is not going to make the fun. <laughs> No Do you think that's not going to go in? Is that bad? It's, it doesn't make any sense Is it because they're yellow? No I do. Because minions One of the things they do Is say bananas No? No You're not remembering that? No People who know minions Will know what I'm talking
1: about I, On your head beer. I I take no part of, I wash my hands of that joke